And now, weighing in out of the blue corner, Josh the Pong Thompson. 100% And on the other mic, he weighs in from the red corner, Big John McCarthy. Holy crap, I can't believe it. I actually made it home. It is a new edition of the Weighing In Podcast. I am home. I'm so happy. How you doing, Josh Thompson? You have you have one crappy flight from LA oh. back home. I've been doing this for a year and a half from Connecticut, and all you do is bitch and whine. What a cry! Baby. First off, it wasn't it one was so flight; fun. it was two that they couldn't freaking get right. I started oh, at freaking leaving that hotel after waking your ass up at six in the yep. morning because you couldn't make it. But six in the I morning, I got home out. almost twenty four hours later, just from LA to here unbelievable i just want to say it was so great oh man miss mccarthy was texting dave and i all day this is bullshit (laughs) fucking hate la la sucks and and it was so great i was was like now this sucks this is this is what i've been dealing with for the my whole for the last year and a half coming from connecticut like getting stuck in detroit or missing my connection in minneapolis i was like Oh, it's brutal, man. It's so brutal, you know? And then I said, I told her, I told Miss McCarthy, I said, Hey, I go, um, I hope he's like a diamond member at one of these places so he can end up, so he can sit in the lounge and sit, you know, and hang out and get free food. Otherwise, man, the airports get expensive. Man, they get expensive. Man, what you know, and this is where I go talk about small world. You're talking about, I'm sitting in the lounge in Dallas for seven hours. And, you know, yeah. I, I try to always, I always try to pick a place that, you know, gets away from so, you know, I can talk on the phone and doesn't bother anybody or something like that. But I go and get my and then the place starts to get so crowded because all the flights are getting canceled. And I get these two ladies who come and they sit near me and they're, they're real boisterous. They're wearing cowboy boots and, and skirts, but they're really nice. They have a bag full of what you what a burgers because they were going to bring them home to their families. That they're not that the burgers are going bad. Right. And. They start talking and they're looking. They look at my bag and it's, it says, you know, Bellator. And they go, "What? What is that?" And I said, oh, "It's an MMA promotion." Oh, we know someone that does MMA. You know, like everyone always does. And I said, "Oh, that's good." You know, yeah. and I don't, I don't ask who. And said, "Yeah." In fact, I think he's fighting coming up, right? And I go, "Oh, really? Yeah." You know, there's lots of fights going on all over the place. Yeah, his name's John Salter. <laughs> I go, <laughs> "Oh yeah, he is fighting in two weeks. I'll be there." Yeah, small world. Yeah. Gotta love that. That's awesome, man. Awesome. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of big fights coming up, man. You've got the the pay per view this weekend coming up, and then you've got the two fights that we just had. I mean, the UFC and um and Bellator show, both of them uh, had some great fights on there. Um, it's it's been I think <clears throat> I love this year end type situation because it just feels like there's a lot of things building up for the you know for to end the year i don't know it just seems like there's a lot of big fights that are, that are potentially coming up i don't know no there Maybe is just you know me, you take a look at it you feels know, like it both you know both promotions are really starting at the end of the year starting to come and they're pushing stuff in there you look at the, the fight that was just announced for the ufc being chandler and gaethje at madison square garden oh, and then the the uh semi-final rounds of bellator with the light heavyweight grand prix things are getting good i love that Makes my life. Yeah. Better. I mean, Chandler, last time he fought him at MSG, he lost his title to Brent Primus. That's right. Bad yep. juju yeah. in that building. 
<laughs> oh man. So, all right. Well, let's get it. Let's get into the weekend. Do you want to talk UFC first? Uh, they had a little bit of the lesser na- name card, but I mean, they had some great fights on that card. But as I said, so can... sometimes when you have those cards, people complain. Mm-hmm. They say, yeah, this, this, "This card sucks," you know, or "This card's doo doo." You know, no, <laughs> don't. You can say that after the card sucks. Yeah. Okay. Or after yeah. the card is crap, go ahead and say oh, that card was crap. But this card yeah. delivered. Yeah, I didn't get to see the whole thing. I got to see the main card. I didn't get to see the whole you know show, so I'm not going to be able to talk yeah. about all the prelims. But the main card delivered, and you, you know they even lost their co-main, and then they put in Cheyenne buys. What a knockout, dude! <laughs> you go and you're way to wow. go, man. You know, just wow. they, everyone delivered. I thought Sean Strickland looked exactly like I thought he was going to do. He's going to come out. He's going to press forward because that's the way that once you're going to beat Uriah Hall. Make him go on his back foot. That's what Sean did for most of the fight. I thought they really had a, a you know, a not a big name card. You don't need a big name card for good fights. You just mm-hmm. need people to come out there and fight. And that's what they did. Yeah. <clears throat> we we like to reserve judgment, both of us do, until the fight is over. Because, like I said, I call it sneaky good cards. Yep. Those are the cards that people just go, I don't know anyone on there, so this card sucks. Exactly. Well, I want to remind people that when the UFC did their first, the first two, I think they did, where they had three title fights on one card, both those cards fucking blew. Oh, yeah. They were garbage. It doesn't matter name value. It just matters whether they come out and fight or not. And this card and the UFC card, they, they delivered, man. They came out and they had some great fights, especially the main card. The main card delivered, you know. And so um, I watched the Danny Chavez and Kamaka fight. I watched um, Hoffa Garcia. I, the Barbarina fight was oh, <clears throat> fight was fucking. That fight right there was absolutely amazing. But I want to go back to the Kai Kamaka situation. That poor kid, man. He's he had a bad performance, and then he sh- then his he next fight he got robbed, but... and then now he has a, now he has a draw. I know. I'm like this poor kid. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> oh man the ufc is probably going man what do we do with this kid it seems like he's always in these sh- like weird situations like his first fight he just didn't perform he didn't come out you know the one I, we originally started talking about i started yeah and he just didn't perform and he and I, I i criticized him a lot yeah and he came out and he's like i agree with you man i'm so you know he actually agreed with everything i said then he comes out and he had a great performance it wasn't it wasn't but it was a tough fight it was battle. Great, and it was and a loses, close fight he, but it was a great performance it was a close him. fight but he, sh- I th- he shouldn't have lost. He- it was a close fight, but he shouldn't have lost. And then this fight, he comes out, and then he has a draw. Well, he has a draw. Why? Thinking, he just <laughs> come on. He lost a point. <laughs> yeah, I know. It was but... a point deduction. That's why he ended up having the draw. So yeah, but unlucky, geez, man. Unlucky. I admit yeah, he didn't do just, anything. Just a shitty both. situation, man. Yeah. And then, and then uh, the Barbarina fight, like it's. Jason Witt, I felt like had a dominant position or was dominating the, the first two rounds. Barbarina comes back in the third round. I actually had it a I had it a draw, John. So, did I. so I had Barbarina yeah, I had him winning the, the third round. I big ten eight. Yep. Big. And then I had Jason Witt winning the first two rounds, you know, ten nine. So I had it a draw. This is one of those situations where it wouldn't I wouldn't have had to give him a ten eight if there was a half point scoring system. Because I wouldn't have given Barbarina a ten eight. I would have given him a ten eight and a half. Because yeah, even though he had won it big, but Wit was also doing a lot of good things as well in that he was surviving, but he did get some good takedowns at key moments. He was still fighting off, 
you know, a lot. He was still fighting off a lot of things, but he also had some good offense as well from the top position when he was able to get the takedown. And then he also landed a couple clean shots himself. Yeah, for how long? And so the zombie that, what's that? For how long? <laughs> All that stuff that he did yeah. was just moments, and then he was getting just crushed. Yeah, you know, and so yeah, he was. He, I, under, I understand the ten, and I understand what you're saying. I might have, you know, said it. I might have gone ten eight five if that was available to me. Yeah, but I, I, this is the kind of fight where I look at the fight that Jason Witt put on and Brian Barberena, and I go, I don't like the draw, man. I don't want either guys to lose. They both fought their asses yeah. off, and so it just happens that way. And it was a just a barn burner of a fight, which is why I love watching Brian Barberena. He's just he comes to fucking fight. He comes to finish his fight against, like I always say, Vicente Luque, one of the just best fights. If you're going to show someone MMA, show him that fight. It's that type of fight, man. He is just a dog that comes after you, that doesn't quit. He's fun to watch. The UFC should always keep him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but here's the one kid that this, I don't even know how to say his last name. Bagdar Sarian, whatever his name Bagdasarian. is. Bagdasarian. This kid is freaking. When I when I compare, like when I say guys are good kickboxers, look, I can't contest. I can't say anything about his wrestling. He got taken down pretty easy a couple times, yeah. but he his kicks and and Sharp. the snap on his punches is is on point, man. When you talk kickboxers, I, I I like to give um the kid from SBG how good of a kickboxer he is. Um, Elias Boulade, he's he's actually amazing as well. Oh, yeah. But he's got power, he's got the speed, he's got you know he's mixed up the combinations. And I've always said I think he's probably one of the best kickboxers in the sport of MMA. Doesn't mean he's a good MMA fighter. I mean he is he's, he's pretty, he has gotten a lot better, but he doesn't mean he's the, a good MMA fighter. This kid right here is I put him right up there with him, man. His kicks, you can see the difference in kicks from Collins kicks to to um. To Bagdasarian, Bagdasarian, you can see Bagdasarian's his his kicks. Every time he threw him to the body, they landed. The, and when they didn't land, it still just could feel it going through the forearms and the and the shoulders and Hurts. you know and just everything. It was clean. It was powerful. It was it was nice, man. So I I, I put yeah, but the, I looked at him. Know, everyone like, needs man, to understand. This kid's got a future. That's because that kid understands range. He understands exactly where he's at and how much he needs to move in to get that effect on those shots. He's not crushing his space. He's not just off to where he's he's at the end of the punch. He's right in position where he's supposed to be. You watch someone like him, you go, oh, that's the way to do it. That kid, yeah. He's good. Yeah, yeah even his Sharp. knees. Like when he, got yeah. it, when he got into that clinch, John, and he had him pressed up. He had Colin pressed up against the fence. Some of those knees, I was like, I, I used to love to throw knees. I admired. I was like, "Gosh, those are nasty. They're on point." He didn't just throw them like just to touch his opponent. He threw them to drive his his knee through into into touching his spine. Touching the back of he the was spine. Tickling his it, guts. Man. Yeah, yeah. He was tickling his guts. He was like, "Go ahead, fucking." It was we'll, we'll, nasty. We'll, we'll talk about a knee like that a little later too. All right, all right. And then <laughs> there's um, a guy named Nurmagomedov that threw one that same night, man. Oh, oh. yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> I've never heard of that name before. Is Sounds like um, French. Someone from another country. It's French. Yeah, <laughs> it's French. <laughs> oh man, uh, Jared Gooden. Uh, I mean, just speed. Speed kills, man. Threw a straight punch right down the middle. Boom, right on the button. But wait, wait, go uh, with you. You got your 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 fight before your co-main, and then your co-main, 
and you're you're hoping that those are good because it just leads you into your main event, man. Both Jared Gooden put it on just about a minute in, beautiful knockout, and then Cheyenne Pies, hello, getting yeah. the opportunity to be moved yeah. up into the co-main because Ronnie Yaya's fight got kind of taken out, unfortunately. COVID. Yeah, yeah, COVID. I wasn't gonna say it, but yeah, that's what I was. That's yeah, what I heard. That sucks, but. You know, yeah, whatever it was, it's too bad. You know, feel bad for both of them. They, they lost that opportunity, but Cheyenne Bice comes in, takes that opportunity, and then got, I think, you know, one of those bonuses. So she got some money in her bank account after being broke. So congratulations. That's yeah. what happens when you're put in that position to do something and make people want to see what you're doing. Now people want to see what you're doing in the next fight. That's a way to go, man. That was a hell of a fucking knockout. Beautiful job. 115 pounds, dude. Yeah. Boom. <clears throat> I have a question, though. I, look, I did camps for a lot of years, fight camps. And I'm not saying that um, Bays or Bays. I'm not saying that she doesn't, that they, not just her, but I've heard a lot of other fighters say that they spend anywhere between, like, say, six to ten grand for a camp. Okay. I don't know what you guys are doing. <laughs> But that is never, <clears throat> that was never a moment. Towards the end of my career, I kind of started spending some decent money on it. It was about 4500 because I actually had someone that moved into my house That's the and made all my food for me. That's the difference. That's different. Like, I, yeah, I had him. He, I had uh, Lockhart and Leith come in. You know, Dan Leith and those guys, they came in, lived in my house, and they went shopping for me. They just presented me with receipts. They made my breakfast, my lunch, my dinner. They made my protein shakes. They made everything for me. They, they monitored my water. They did everything for me, but I only had them come the last four weeks, and it was about forty five hundred bucks, I think, at the time, um, <clears throat> for them to come in. This is relatively new when they first started the company, and they started getting, you know, kind of their name recognition out there. But they used to work with me, DC, <coughs> Kane, you know, Rockhold. They used to work with all of us. They worked with DC, and so um, <clears throat> yeah, they they used they, to, they didn't yeah, do their but job, then right? um. <laughs> just kidding. They were with they were to, they on, were man. with DC during his his two hundred five run. They actually run. did a pretty oh, good okay, job. Go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They didn't they didn't need to do anything for him for heavyweight. DC was probably at he was in full at, control. Uh, yeah, he was at Popeyes. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, he loved that. Right, that's, that's one of the things um, I loved about him. Man, he didn't care. Go. No, he didn't. No, I, it's so funny. I tell this story all the time because it was a. Uh, he was fighting Josh Barnett, and I was fighting. I want to say I was fighting Nate Diaz. I think it was that fight. Was it that fight? No, no I was no. fighting Gilbert. So I was fighting Gilbert. He was fighting Josh Barnett. It was it was like one of the last strike forces. And I kid you not, I, I go to we go to watch Koscheck fight in the UFC, but we go to watch him at Buffalo Wild Wings. I think it's Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah, and we're there, and I show up, and he's there, and DC's there with his wife, and I'm there watching the fights, and there's a group of us there, and I just look over. We're, we're, I'm not kidding you. We're like two weeks away from the fight. Yeah, but he's he's fighting heavyweight and, at that time if it's against Josh Barnett. So you got to put it in context. I, I do. I do understand that. Okay, <laughs> but he's drinking a mojito. He's he's drinking he's drinking a mint. Uh, he's drinking like a mojito, a drink that has mint, alcohol in it. Mint's good for your system. He's, it's all about the mint. Yeah, he's he, he's he's eating uh he's eating wings, fried wings though. By the way, he's eating some wings. <laughs> And then it's what the funniest part was is he had a salad in front of him. Like, I'm like, whose is that? He's like, well, it's mine. I'm like, he's like, yeah, but I ain't eating that shit. <laughs> he just kept eating, but he was eating off of his girl's plate. So she had the wings. She was, it was her drink, you know? So he, he just, he didn't order anything for himself except for the salad that he didn't eat. It was just great. It was funny. I was giving him a hard time. It was like, it was like two or three weeks before our fight. He's like, yeah. 
he was asking if I wanted like a winger. And I was like, no, nah, I'm good, man. He's like, man, you don't cheat at all. I was like, no, 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 I don't get this close to cheat. <laughs> Bro, I'm, 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 the hardest part was to stop eating that shit. Now you want me to jump back in three weeks before? I was like, no, nah, I'm good, bro. Uh, so, uh, but this was one of those really sneaky good cards. What was your take on um, Cheyenne on her, her head kick? Just perfectly timed or just lucky that her her opponent's, uh, DePaul's, DePaul's uh, hand was off the ground? You know what? I go with she looked at it and thought she had the opportunity and threw it, and it was well-timed. Uh, it's a wow. chance you're taking, but it could be a that. huge chance. Oh, yeah. But, you know, these are the things. Sometimes you got to take those. You, know, you got to go for it. If you, if you think that you have that ability to get that in there, I'm going to go with, hey, she, well-timed. She saw what she had, and she knew she could land it. She's going for it. I kind of like it. Yeah, it's Are you going yeah, lucky. I mean, the, you're going the, lucky, the, aren't you? You're going lucky. <laughs> uh, you, here's the thing: when when I see fighters do that, I realize that they're real fighters. You want to know why? Because that's somebody on the if they see you on the street and they drop you, they're not fucking hesitating. They're kicking you right in the head. Oh, they're kicking your you know. Feet and her, she yeah, she was just like, I don't give a fuck. It was like almost like those are the people that you know. It just comes natural to that, like. She didn't hesitate. She, soon as um, that's why Paula started I, I to thought, get up. That's why I thought it was boom, well timed. Yeah, she didn't hesitate. She just threw it, and she's like, "I'll just take the consequences if it if it if something else happens." But just nasty. I mean, like I, I was so shocked that she she threw that. That just goes to show. Like, look, we look at certain fighters. Um, I'm going to go back to the Douglas Lima and MVP fight. Y- you've got to get up properly. Yeah, you guys. It, Fighters have to learn that you cannot just stand up and like, oh, it's not sparring in the gym. This is not your teammate. This person's trying to take your head off. And in this situation and scenario, DePaula just thought she could just get right back up, especially after, you know, like, it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Nope. And so she found out and it was not a it was not a good situation. Threw the head kick, boom, and then she got mounted and it was done. Yeah, Lights out. out. But and I thought the stoppage was I thought the stoppage was a little late though, by the way. You just took a freaking head kick. <laughs> And then he jumped on. I think she took like five, maybe six unanswered punches. And I'm like, Mark Smith, what the fuck are you doing, buddy? Like, get in there. Get in there. And I noticed that Mark Smith was looking off at the corner. He was looking off to the someone on the side outside the cage. And he was waving his finger like this, John. He's like this. Or he was doing like a circle, like keep it going, yeah. I think. No, no, what he's doing it was is. one of those things. But in the but in the meantime, DePaul is getting her fucking face broken in. Okay, what was what like, Mark what's was going doing? On? What, it's exact, it's exact, yeah. It goes right in line with what you were talking about. Is this signal? If you see that in Nevada, mm-hmm. that is saying that I want a replay on that because he wasn't sure was she down Got or it. was she up, and so he was. That's him telling the replay official, you know, capture that and tell me was that a good clean shot or do do we have a foul? So that's what he was doing. Got it. And, uh, got it, got and it. And so, you, you know, that's, par- that's partly what happened with the ending sequence is his brain is, you know, he's thinking about that kick and did I miss something? And then all of a sudden, you know, again, it only takes a couple of seconds for a lot of punches to go off. And you've yeah. got to be in the moment. That's what I used to call it all the time. Hey, be in the moment. Don't sit there and think about other things. What's happening right now? That's what you're dealing with. What happened you know, three seconds ago, two seconds, doesn't matter. It's what's happening right now. And that's what, you know, I think that's why you thought it was a little slow. He's still thinking about that a little bit, but it was all yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, that was a little slow. And then, you know, we're going to talk later. Sometimes they're a little fast. Like, not by much. <laughs> yeah, no, little things. But they're, <clears throat> and, and you know, it's, little it, tiny and things. And none of them are bad. It's like, you know, the, the stoppage by Mark. Not bad. It's not bad. No, it wasn't bad. And no. So, I thought, like I said, I thought it was a little slow. Is it then perfect? The, no, you could say, well, we could do it a little bit better. And, and that's okay. That's what you learn off of it. And you and you try to do it better the next time. So, it, you know, it yeah. just ends better. And that goes both ways. Yeah. I like to, I like to say that this job, even though like we talk about fighters, are we talking about referees not being in there fast enough, or sometimes jumping in there too soon? I mean, we have to remember that there's a lot of responsibility on you guys um, to make sure that you're doing it at the right time, and there's a split second for you to get in before someone gets hurt, and there's a split second for you to get in there too soon and fuck it all up. That's it. And so they, it's those decisions you've got to make. Everyone's in instant, you know, and it's, it's not, so it's not funny, easy. Josh, because everyone thinks I could do that. I could do that, and it's like maybe you could, <laughs> but it's not what you think. Yeah, because it's different when you're sitting on the outside, outside of the cage, when you're at the arena, or you're watching on TV. You know, if you make the decision, stop the fight, and they don't stop the fight, and things kind of continue on, and you're like, oh wow, well, you would have stopped the fight. <laughs> And and yeah. you would have had a great impact in that fight, so you've got to make it. You got to make the decision. And it's got to be the right decision, and that's what yeah. you're. That's what they're always searching for. And you're never going to make everybody happy, you know. Even when it's a perfect job, there's going to be mm-hmm. someone's going to complain about it. And of course, that's people. It's usually the team that lost. <laughs> oh, it's the team that lost. Uh, dude. We'll talk about that. All one right, too. so. Yeah. Okay. So Sean Strickland versus Uriah Hall. Um, this is what I thought we, was we talked happen. about this. We talked about it. We, this is exactly what we, I actually had people t- texting me or sliding in my DM saying, Oh, you guys are stupid. You don't know. Uriah Hall's so too talented uh, for him. He's going to walk. Strickland's going to walk right into this and, yep. and just die and, and, get, and get knocked out and this and that. I'm like, all right, yeah, man, yeah. whatever, man. I had the same thing. I had people saying, you know, why do you give such, you know, so much disrespect to Uriah Hall. It's like, I don't disrespect Uriah Hall at all. I love his skill set, but everything is about the guy you're fighting. And, you know, Sean Strickland is not a fancy fighter at all. He is simple no. basics. Basics are there for a reason. It's because they work. And if you can implement those basics in a game plan and make your opponent fight your fight, you're a tough dude to beat. And Sean Strickland is a tough dude to beat and especially now because his confidence is really growing he's getting better as far as believing that you know what I'm pretty fucking good at this i can take yeah. on these guys doesn't matter what their name is and he put on a great just basics where he just walked him down and that's what that's what i thought you know when we were talking i thought the pressure that sean brings because he's always wanting to come forward if he can make your eye back up your eye's gonna have a problem because he doesn't fight well going backwards there's guys that can fight well going off their back foot. They're, they're few and far between, though, as far as the ones that can really do it well. You know, especially in MMA, guys that come forward, usually you know, they're impressive, and Uriah is really impressive when he can come forward. Go all the way back to, you know, not all the way back, you know, not, not his last fight, but his last real fight was against Anderson where you could actually see him doing something, and he was losing when Anderson was actually walking him down. He was losing that whole fight, and then mm-hmm. finally... He switches it and starts to do things that are effective for him, and he's moving forward, and he ends up, ends up putting Anderson out of the fight. So it's basics of fighting. You know, when you're looking at it, Sean Strickland, 
Yeah, he's not flashy. Yeah, he's not that guy that you go, wow, look at his body. He's just a tough son of a bitch. Yeah, <clears throat> with Uriah Hall, I felt like there was the his corner was calling for stuff and he was shut down. And when you guys when you guys listen to the cornering in that fight, his corner's telling him, Okay, stay keep your head offline, move your head, and then throw kicks. He didn't throw any kicks. The one kick he threw, I think, in the first round, it landed clean. It almost took uh, Strickland off of his feet. Never did he go back to it. Like those type of things. And when you have someone who walks you down, one of the best techniques to work on is what um is what John Jones does. That little thigh kick, thigh kick to the front of the knee or to the thigh. That's a great kick to use. I've seen Uriah use it before in the past. Yep. Or using that push kick up the middle. Yeah, when they're walking into something, you just go right up the gut. It doesn't need to be a push kick to push you away. It needs to be like a toe kick, one that goes up into your gut, it's almost a like a Yoda Machida and yeah. Kung Lee used to use it quite a bit. Oh, yeah. It's like a jab into the solar plex and it hurts, knocks the wind out of you. It just sucks. He's got all that. He had all that speed advantage. He just didn't utilize it. You don't want to fight someone to their strengths. And and Strickland's strength is really just to walk you down and box your ears off. And so because he doesn't throw a lot Uriah of Hall just stood there. Yeah, you know, he, and Sean just or Uriah Hall just stood there. Uriah Hall just stood there and just decided let's get into a boxing match with a guy who wants to just box me. No, 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 no. Mix it up. Yep. Get off your back foot. Start throwing your kicks. Take get your head off the center line. I mean, his corner was pleading with him. He didn't make any adjustments, didn't make the adjustments throughout the fight, and it cost him the fight. I mean, there was moments there where he every time he got every time he kind of got grazed, he he ended up backing himself up to the fence. That's not where you want to be. I mean, he's lucky he didn't get knocked out in several of those exchanges. Yeah, he got against hurt. the fence. He was already he, he got hurt he quite got a hurt bit. Quite a bit. And and you got to give him credit though. He got hurt quite a bit. He he hung in there. And I do think that, you know, yeah. I, I do think he possibly broke the orbital in his eye because it was swelling up that way. He was having kept on pawing at it a little bit. You look at it, you yeah. go, man, he, when you get hurt with something, you know, and it it stays with you throughout the fight, it, it, it actually adjusts your abilities during the fight. That's not easy to fight through because mm-hmm. mentally you're going, damn, and it's just it's draining on you. Yeah. I give him credit. Yeah, I could fought <clears throat> tough. I could see it Did felt it like smart. it felt like he was looking for a way out a little bit though. After he kept, you know, checking his eye, he kept like kind of touching his nose, like in between rounds right before, and he kept wincing. He, you know, there was a little. <clears throat> I don't know if he was. I wouldn't say he was looking for a way out. It just seemed like he wanted everyone to know that something was wrong, and that's yeah. not that's not something you want to show your. No, you're showing you know, your you opponent show that something's your, bothering your you. opponent. You know, and so <clears throat> his. I just feel, and I think we've all felt this way, for someone who has all the talent, all the ability, it, talent doesn't mean shit. Everyone's born with talent. Everyone has some sort of talent in their back in their back pocket. They just have to learn to unleash it and figure out what, how, to, how to make it grow. Uriah, Uriah Hall has it all. He has the speed. He's got the power. He's got all the, the ways of putting the combination together. But he's not able to turn the switch on when he needs to. Yeah, and it's it's sad. It's sad to see. Like it's it's more. I think now because the the press has made and the media has made it such a big deal about his mental state and whether he's you know uh, mentally strong. And I think he's been he's been reading that shit now for the last six, seven, eight fights, whatever it is, and it's affecting his him the way he performs. All he had to do realistically, I think, was 
throw the kicks behind his punches or throw the kicks and then the punches follow up with the combination. I think it would have been a way different type of fight had he done that. He didn't throw any kicks and that was the thing that I felt like he would have had success. If you kick that hard and you know that the calf kick is changing the game, what are you doing? Especially on a guy like, like Sean that's to, coming heavy on his front leg. Yes. I, 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 didn't, I didn't understand. I just couldn't, it couldn't wrap my head around the fact that like, and when his kick, when he threw that kick in the first round, it was fast. It was hard. Sean Strickland basically like got almost spun around, almost knocked off his feet. I'm like, do more of that. <laughs> like, and he just didn't. He didn't make the adjustment. And I'm like, oh. if I was a coach in the corner, I'd be pulling my freaking hair out. Well, what the hell? And I know probably Dana's at home watching watching that fight going, fuck, man, what are you doing, Uriah? Throw the kicks, man. Throw the kicks. He's probably thinking, geez. I mean, he's probably thinking this is probably the last time I'm putting you as the main event. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, 37 years old. You got those opportunities. He's talented. He's good. All right. We got to talk about it then because after the fight, I don't. did you listen to Sean Strickland in his uh, presser? Did you hear anything he said? No, I did not. Said? Okay. He was no. hysterical you- in part of it, and in part of it, it's like, Sean, stop. Grow up. Uh-oh. Don't say those things. Because he actually Uh-oh. said, you know, I would like to, I would actually like to kill somebody inside the ring. I would own that. Oh, jeez. And you go, Sean, no, you wouldn't, because you have yeah. to live with that for your entire life. It is not what you think. It is, that is not something to joke about. It would make me super happy or something like that. It's like, yeah. hey. You know, all the stuff you want to talk about porn and everything, go ahead. I don't care. It's kind of funny. It's all good. When you're talking about fighting, you know, we, we talk about fighters all the time. And it's, you know, can you die? Yeah, you can. It's a possibility. Now, you can die walking across the street from your home, too. You know, but mm-hmm. when it comes to sports, combat sports are the ones that are the closest to you saying look you could really take someone's life because we're we're talking about trauma to the person's body trauma to the brain there's all these things and you look and you go none of those are funny and none of those are something to say that i would take pride in you never want to actually hurt someone and people that have been in that position where they've taken another fighter a combatant's life based upon a sport they have a hard time living with it and to sit there and yeah. say that you would, you know, you would embrace that and make stop. You've crossed the line. You just made it to where now, you know, it's, you, you can be funny. That's not funny. Don't joke about those things. That's my one complaint about you, Sean. You, you perform beautifully. I thought you were funny in the press thing. Get off of that. I would like to do that. It's the fact that you go in there with the mentality, you know what? I'm here to kill my opponent. Go ahead. That's fine. I don't care. You go in with a mentality. Look, you'll have to kill me to get me out of here. Go ahead. That's all good. Don't sit there and say that you would be super happy if it uh, it occurred. You wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah, it's not something to really joke about. No. You know, and I think no. everyone, it's 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 like one of those things you hear people at the, at the bar talking about, like, oh, yeah, I'd do this and I'd do that. And then reality <laughs> sets in. You're like, damn, if that shit happened to you, you'd fucking be ruined. Yeah. You know, like... You would, you, it would ruin your mentality, your mindset. It, it would it would change your life forever, and you would, you don't even realize it until later on when the adrenaline It's too gone. late. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Well, hey, let's jump into Bellator. Bellator had some good fights. Um, it was it was a really good card. Oh, All the fighters yeah. came out, and they performed. Ugh. They performed their asses off. And, um, you know, there was a lot of talk back and forth in terms of amongst the media. We were there. There was a lot of press there at this event. 
And um, and they had said, I had, I had said, hey, how come you guys aren't off at the UFC? They're like, oh man, this is the this is a huge card for Bellator. We wanted to come out here, and I was like, yeah. And so, um, but look, the UFC card had a great. Not all the press. Card. There are the there are the press homers. <laughs> I that's love those guys. Right. That's all lie, good. Man. That's lie. So, but uh, but it, we we did have a we did have some good fights, man. There was a couple couple uh, decisions that I was not really a hundred percent behind. Yep. You I know, agree. and um, but it was it was uh, yeah. It was, it was a good night of fights for 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 Bellator, especially for a lot of the fighters. They came out, they did what they had to do. They had great fights, and they they put on some shows. They put on a show, and that's that's really realistically like, I feel like when we we added a little bit of that Burt Watson in the back, the conversation, the talk, the medium with the meeting with the fighters and saying, hey, you know what? We need you guys to step up your game, man. We need you guys to go out there and perform. And I feel like that little tweak in which he, which he's added in that back room has really elevated the fact that these guys are these, um, that these fighters are starting to like kind of step on the gas pedal a little bit more in the fight. And it's been great. I think also too, on this stage is, um, it was something that they really needed to do. I like, if you cannot get up for probably the biggest fight, the biggest card in, in Bellator history, at least it's for sure. It was the biggest main event in Bellator history. If you can't get up for this and go out there and fight your ass off, you know, then as a promoter, you've got to be thinking to yourself, can't right, use you. maybe I won't use you next time on such a big card. Yeah. You know, and, uh, but no, all of these fighters came out. They all let it go. I thought it was great. It's, you know, it's Good all, stuff. it's also all the elements. And I, I'm glad you brought up Burt Watson because, you know, Burt mm -hmm. is, uh, such a good person and such a kind person and such a fun person. And there are those people in this world that are just full of energy. And they just they just make you happy to be around them, and they they bring that something that nobody else brings, and that's what Burt Watson does. You people try to emulate it, to try to copy it. It's not the same as when he does it. When he says "We're rolling," and he starts going mm -hmm. and stuff, everyone starts to perk up. And then on top of it, like you're saying, I also go with the arena. There, there's something yeah. about the L.A. Forum and all of the iconic things that have happened in that building it, it's kind of it's like being in madison square garden it's the it's the one that i can compare it to when you talk about you know just arenas with this unbelievable history you know and it's uh it's just a neat place to be and you walk down the 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 ramp area to get into it and they've got all the names of everybody that has performed there and fought there and everything and it's all up there and sometimes it's you know three times, four times on, you know, next to it. Mm -hmm. It's just a, it's the atmosphere. And then to have the fans back for Bellator, this was the first one that was, this is the one they were really going and selling tickets for. And, and, and to have the fans there and have them as, you know, crazy and energetic as they were at a certain point, it was, it was just fun. And it's like, this is why you do this crap. This is why yeah. fighting special. Yeah, yeah. And when you have over ten thousand fans there, it was like a, I think it was like closer to twelve. It was just great, man. It was great to hear the crowd it was so electric. They were pumped. I mean, you know, you had you had a lot of uh, you know YouTube stars there. You had a lot of other stars there. It was just nice to see. It was nice to have people there. You know, I think um, I think it was just a good night of fights, man. If we scroll down, Dave, can you scroll down? We'll look at some of these. Let's talk about some of these younger. Look, the one of the let's see, let's see. Brian Moore had, I felt like Brian Moore, he just needed to pull the trigger a little bit more. I was talking to him after his fight. He fought Jordan. I'm going to Winsky, which was fucking Still the greatest one of the best name. Nicknamed. I love that thing. 
Yeah. One of the greatest names in MMA history, for sure. He didn't win ski, <laughs> he though. He didn't win ski on this He one. didn't win ski. But Brian Moore's been out for a while with broken hand situations and also some injuries and a stuff. Injuries. He's finally able to get a fight in. And, um, he looked good. But he, he looked really good. He looked like he was in, in tip-top shape. Yep. He was great in that department. But when I saw him afterwards, they said, look, even when you don't think your third punch is going to land, you've got to still throw it. Because yep. there were situations there where the one and the two barely missed or the, or the two just caught him just a tiny bit. You've got to throw the three and sometimes the four. Even if you're not sure it's going to land, you've got to throw it because the majority of the times it'll land. You just got to believe in it. And there was that mix up, you know, in terms of like, yeah, that. And then I said, look, you throw a little bit more kicks, hide your stuff, you know, with your kicks or hide your, uh, your kicks behind your punches because they're there. So he, he got into that, that sparring type situation that I know he's better than. And he knows that too. And when we talked about it, he's like, yeah, I just, so I felt great. Everything was good. He's like, but I get exactly what you're saying about it in terms of just throwing throwing the three and the four because I could have potentially got him out of there. He was more mad at himself, too, about saying, I should have got him out of there. Yeah, I think he's I, right. I thought I agreed with him on that. I agree yeah, with him agree on that, with too. With that. And the one thing that he was doing, you know, they were, they were both landing right hands. Both of them are landing yeah. big right hands. But when, you're, when your opponent's landing right hands, and this is where Brian was making simple mistakes, he kept going towards the power side of Winsky at times. He would start to circle towards that side. It's like circle out the other way. Take the steam off of that shot. And he started doing that in the second round, and that was the real difference maker. That's where he really started to take over the fight because he wasn't getting hit by shots while Winsky was. But it, I thought it was a, a very good, it was a dominant performance really by by him against a guy that I know is a good fighter in uh, Jordan. Um, this is the kind of fight that Brian Moore needed. I think he needed the three rounds. I think it was good for him to actually be in there for the three rounds because he got a lot of work in. He got, you know, some of that rust out, you know, from not fighting for a while. And I, I call him the Irish Canelo. The kid can throw, man. I love the way mm-hmm. he goes to the body at times with some of his body shots. And I, I would love to see him right away come back. They've got the card in Dublin. That kid should be on it. Got it. Yeah, I would imagine he'd be on there barring any injuries and yep. stuff. So, uh, Georgie Karakanyan, he had a great fight as well against Kiefer Crosby. It baffled me that Kiefer decided to get a takedown. I'm like, what are you doing? Like, I just, I feel like he, all the advantages he had, he just oh, took away. I, okay. Advantage- and I talked to Kiefer afterwards. So go ahead, say everything. I just, I thought all the advantages he had, like he, he, I felt like he was the stronger fighter. I felt like so he was he. the bigger fighter, not by much. I, 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 like, I don't understand your, your, you, I feel like I wouldn't say you got better boxing, but I feel like you probably hit a little bit harder. Um, and I feel like all the, all the advantages he had was on the feet and he took it, he took that away when he got the takedown. And I was, it was upsetting to see, cause then, then the reversal happened and then he was on bottom. Then he's then he got choked and I'm like, ah, oh, it's a shit situation to be in, man. Cause it was a big card, big fight. And I, I believe he was headlining. He was the headliner for the, BBC. for the, um, for the BBC out there, you know, in, in the UK, just a big name, big opportunity. And he came up short, man. And I'm a big Kiefer Crosby fan, man. He's a super nice kid. I like Georgie as well. Yep. You know, but I wanted, to, I wanted to see that fight be on the feet a little bit more because I knew it had the potential to have fireworks. And when he got the takedown, I was like, ah, oh, what are you doing? Georgie's good on the ground, man. He's got a good guillotine. He's, got, he's just good. I'm like, what are you doing? And, and that, man, yeah. he just, he fell right into the trap. And it, But it is a trap. And, he, and here's part of the trap. I talked to him. And I love Georgie, and, and I thought Georgie performed perfectly, exactly the way he should have. Great job by him. Way to finish the fight the way he did. Georgie, you look good. 
155 is definitely the weight class for you. You perform better oh, than by far. So way to go. For Kiefer, I talked to him after uh, after the fight, after the show, and I said, and I said you got to tell me, dude, what were you thinking? Because we talk about fight IQ all the time, and Kiefer is a banger. This, this, this is a guy that he's got heavy hands. He can throw. Now, his biggest problem is how smart is he during the fight? He's a smart person, you know, outside of the cage. But in the cage, sometimes we've seen him in the stand-up, he starts to lose his mind as far as he wants to get rid of everyone, and he starts to throw everything into the well instead of going pop, 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 and stepping back, taking a breath of air, and then coming back and pop, 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 and stepping back. So in this, you know, I said, you know, you got to talk to me, man. Why? Why did you? Knowing that Karhanian has got a very good ground game, that's where he used to actually get all of his wins. Why did you play his game? And he goes, he goes, you know, I've been working on my grappling. John, I'm good in my grappling. He goes, but I felt him, and he, he didn't feel strong at all. I said, doesn't matter how strong he feels. It's how technically yeah. good he is. It's not about, I said, you never want to play into the strengths of your opponents. I go, that's your job is to make him play into your strengths. And he goes, he says, I know. He goes, he says, you know, he goes, even when he got the choke, he says, I go, he's not strong enough to finish this. He goes, then all of a sudden he goes, his squeeze? He goes, oh, he had a good squeeze. He goes, I thought I was going to be able to survive it. He goes, he goes, I couldn't. He goes, I was going out. And I, I go, hey, this is, it's just a lesson to learn. You always fight to your strengths. You make your opponent fight. Your fight, you don't fight his. I said, it's just just put it in the bank. Because, hey, I learned a lesson from this one. Let's move on. I go, you got all the talent. You just got to utilize it in the yeah. right way. So, Yeah. Yep, yep. I mean, I felt like that fight could have been a lot better in terms of, you know. Oh, I thought it was great, though. If, they if it would have stayed on the feet. Well, if it would have stayed I on the feet. I thought it was a great but, fight. Yeah. I thought it was a good fight. But yeah. I was expecting to see two guys stay, keep it on the feet. And bang it out, and yeah. just I didn't, we didn't get to see that, and that was one of those fights. I was like, oh, because I knew what the fight could have been if it would have been on the feet. But hey, I got to tip my hat to George. Georgie fought a smart fight as well. Got the yep. sweep, got to the top position, you know, worked to the side choke. It was there for him. He took it, and he got the win. You know, um, Joshua Jones. We don't talk about him enough, man. He's one of those guys that just comes in, does his work, and bounces out. You know, and he's not like, and it's weird. I, I look at people. He went up in weight class. I want to say almost two weight, two classes, weight classes. He fought at a catch weight. Yeah. He's a 55 pounder. Yeah. And I said, jo I said, Joshua, Josh, quit getting yourself so far out of shape, man. He's like, no, I'm in shape. I'm like, yeah, but well, he has a dad bod going on, brother. He's, oh, dude, he's, he's Daniel he's, Cormier reincarnated. Yes, he, <laughs> he is, is, man. Oh, in, I know. In a smaller version. It's so great to see. I'm like, but he's got he's got great conditioning, you know, and he presses and the pace. And he's, and he's got I've trained with him and I've grappled with him. He's pretty fast, but he got that dad bod thing going yeah. on, man. He's got the little. You know, but he's he's good. He's tough. He's he scrambles really well. He's good on the ground. He's got good submissions. You know, I mean, he fought a good fight against us, Narrows man. It was a it was a good fight. Yeah, it's exactly exactly what you're saying. Like, I hope they actually sign him to a contract and let him fight at his yeah. weight. Let's see what he does. He shouldn't be fighting at 180 pounds. But he uh, <laughs> every time I compare, it, he's my mini Fedor. He comes in there with the dad yeah. bod and he puts it on people and people are like, "What?" That's <laughs> because he's faster. Yeah. Than, he's faster than people think. He's got good wrestling. Uh, he's got the full game. He's tough, you know. But he, yeah, he's tough. He, man. he needs to uh, 
bite down on the mouthpiece more than he's biting down on the on the burger and uh, get get himself down to the weight that he belongs <laughs> at and uh, I think he I think he's going to give a lot of people problems. He's he's fun to watch. He's tough. John, I think I, I feel like I feel like we had a couple of young stars that were born that night. And if you guys didn't watch the prelims, man, you had Magomed Sharapov and you had Rabadanov or whatever. I can't even I don't butcher his name. I just call him Gatsy. Rabadanov. <laughs> yeah, Rabadanov. Okay, so those two guys are they are just I feel like they're just stars that are being born. Rabadanov is what, twenty three? Yep. I think he's twenty three years old and, and Magomed Sharapov is twenty. 20, 20 years, years old. old dude with all with a hundred amateur fights <laughs> just insane like it's funny because everyone's like oh he has he has amateur fights he has 100 amateur fights I'm like yeah guess what khabib had 250 yeah 250 when i was talking with him before you know before he became the champion we used to talk about how much sambo how many sambo fights he has like, yeah probably close to say 200 to 250 fights and so when people talk about like their experience, these fights that they're doing now when they get in the cage, there's nothing to them. Sure, there's there's a little bit of tension, stress, you know. They like terms anybody, of, they're you know, human. You're about to compete, exactly. But they don't seem to act human when they get in there. There's wow. animals, just fucking savages, man. There's, they go through the motions and just do everything proper. The, you know, it's pretty impressive. Come on, you got to think about Kassan, You know, is the brother of Zabit, and you're you're watching him, and he's just so like. Eh. And he's relaxing. He comes out. Yeah. He does a little, you know, you know, put a little sting to it, and then all of a sudden he'll unleash something with a speed that is twice what he's just shown. And you go, "Where the hell did that come from?" Right? As far as how fast yeah. it was, and that's what he can do. He's just like he's out there. He's almost playing. He's just nice and yeah. in control, feeling comfortable, and just decides this is when I'll do this and this is when I'll do that. But when he turns it on, holy Christ, fast, and he's got power. Yeah, and he, he's a little bit like his brother. He's long and lanky. I know Boy, he's long and lanky. To say that. Talk about you. It's he's okay. long and lanky. Twenty and 20 he almost years looks old. like Abe Lincoln speed. too. Yeah, <laughs> they both look like. But Abe he's a uh, he's very accurate with his strikes, and he doesn't he doesn't like load up on anything. It just kind of flows out of the motion of of his body movement. Yep, you know, out of the way he moves, and so he, it hides really well. You know, when you hear fighters talk about it, you hear corners say like, hey, relax, relax. The reason why they're trying to tell them to relax in there, it's not so that they're tense and they don't just lose their conditioning, you know, from being so tense, is that it actually hides everything you do to your opponent. So if I if I load up on something, then you I make that little adjustment where I lean back a little bit more and I can and you can see that I'm loading up. My opponent can see when I'm trying to hit you hard or when I'm trying to get ready to spin. They don't he doesn't have that. He just basically does everything off of his movement, and he makes it flow. He's so relaxed. And so there's a lot more power behind those things because those are the things that your opponent doesn't see. He doesn't see it coming that fast because you've done it off of relaxed movement. And those, those, are the strikes and the, those are the strikes and the kicks and the punches and everything that have a lot more effect on them because your opponent's not expecting them. And you always hear people say, "Yeah, it was it was the shot that I landed. It didn't even feel like it landed. Yeah, felt the, like the, butter. They knocked the person out because it just because it was so fluid. You just did it nice and casual, and boom, it was right on the button, and you caught them when they weren't expecting it. And Kassan has that man. Kassan has that movement, that power. He's got the you know the fluidity of how he throws off of his combinations and his movement. I mean." I feel like you, we've got a young star ready to be born, man. It's going to be nice. No. And then uh, Rabat enough. Rabat enough. Rabat, anyways. 
Yeah, Rabadanov, okay, so gotcha. him, I feel like he's, gotcha. yeah, he's, he's good, man. He's really good. I know he trains at AK as he's trains at AK uh, with Khabib and all those guys. They're there. Um, you know, he's, he's somebody that just like, he was waiting to figure out Daniel Carey, excuse me. And as soon as he figured him out, he waited for the slow leg kick. And when the slow leg kick came, he opened up the left hand. Boom. Lights were out, man. It was just a beautiful job. Just like waiting for the timing. Just I remember you were talking about how when Anderson Silva used to wait, he'd like take probably about 30, 40 seconds, maybe even like, you know, a, a minute minutes. or two to figure out his opponent. Yep. Figure out once he figured out his opponent, figured it was out like he footwork. started doing all the other stuff yep. to touch him up. Yep. You know what I mean? So and that's kind of what I got from uh Gatsy as well. But was that that he should, was just kind of waiting to figure out Dan. That Curry. shows a thinking fighter. Doesn't come out there just, you know, looking to throw and you know, hurt their opponent right away. There, there's, there's, there's little things that you do in a fight that teaches you. Okay, this is how that my opponent. This is how he enters. This is what. This is his movement. He does. This is the foot. He'll always, you know, put pressure on. You see it, and then you go about. Okay, now I'm going to start to pick you apart. Now I'm going to start to get into you, and that's exactly what you saw with Gachi. You know, Rabatinov came out there. He wasn't in a hurry. You know, Kerry was landing some stuff. He's doing good. But every step that Rabatinov was taking forward, you could see him looking. He watched his eyes. He was looking down at the legs. He was looking at the feet. Came up towards the hip area. He wasn't looking at Daniel Carey's face. He's looking at all the things that Daniel Carey was doing to set up what he was trying to you know, be offensive with. And then just once he got that timing down and figured it out, he just started lighting him up. And that left hook was yeah. freaking money. Uh, all right, so Vanessa Porto and uh, Ilara Joani. So we we had a little controversy with this one. I mean, I, I was doing some stuff up at the desk, was talking with Jen. I was catching bits and pieces of it. But I had Joani winning the fight. And so did I. you were telling me afterwards, you were like, hey, there's just no way that Joani lost that fight. I only caught bits and pieces of it. But the some of the part that I did see was at the end in the third round where Porto was picking her up and slamming her. And so I was like, okay, maybe she lost. Maybe she, she lost, lost one round. of the first two rounds. She lost that round, but she didn't lose. I didn't, I didn't wasn't paying attention enough to see if she lost one of the first two. She didn't, is what you're saying? No, she. You know, if you look, the the first round was easily hers. And you go into the second, and this is where the judges are starting to lose it. In that, a takedown is a great positional change. It is something that allows the fighter who is doing the takedown the opportunity. To take an advantage in this fight by positioning, by using that positioning, by landing heavy strikes, by keeping their opponent from being able to land heavy strikes and taking over the fight, or then getting to a position where they can go for a submission. But you have to do those things. It doesn't just come because, oh, I got a takedown, so I'm going to automatically say, well, you had the opportunity to, to do it, so I'm going to give it to you. Porto used the takedown, and she did it multiple times in the fight, but what did she do with it? That's the question, and she didn't do enough to match up with some of the damage that she was taking in the stand-up. And I just look at it. The first two rounds should have gone to Joani. The last round goes to Porto. It wasn't that hard of a fight to judge, in my opinion. You know, it's <laughs> you looked at both of them afterwards, and Porto's wearing sunglasses because her face was beat up. Now, Joani got taken down. She didn't. She wasn't in positions where she was in trouble. There was never danger yeah. on the ground, and you've got to start to say, okay, well, if there's not danger on the ground based upon 
submissions, then there needs to be damage done with strikes. And that wasn't done in the two rounds either. And so I didn't think it was a hard, hard fight to really judge. Yeah, we're going to talk about another fight too that similar situation happened, but I thought I I from what I saw, I thought it looked like Joanne won the fight. I had her losing the third round though yep. based off of the the two big huge slams. Yeah, the big also slam was a good one. Down in, yeah. You know. Um okay, so Goichi Yamauchi fought Chris uh, Chris Gonzalez. Chris Gonzalez being 6 and 0 at the time. He's now 6 and 1, but Goichi having 30 fights, 25 and 5, I think is what his record is. He's 26 now, 26 and 5. So he has 30 fights. Chris actually kind of was was given the option to fight him, fight Goichi or fight someone else, and they took Goichi. They people look at Yamuchi and think, "Eh, you know what? That guy like sure he's jiu-jitsu is good, but I train with this guy and this guy and they're they're good too." Yeah, it's not the same. And everyone's jiu-jitsu game is different. Yep. You don't know how they're going to feel. I've seen guys with jiu-jitsu games, I'm like, "Oh, that's so and then he, you roll with him you go holy yeah. shit yeah so yeah. basic but his bases are so damn good that you can't go anywhere yep. you know and so look this fight never went to the ground never had a chance to go to the ground uh goichi didn't even try to t- get a takedown and chris didn't try to get it he tried to, I think he tried to get one he tried to get to the body lock that didn't work um it really just came down to who was going to have the fight the better fight iq and goichi's been known to have a fight pretty smart fights and so Chris bit off more than he could chew, man. And I talked to him after the fight, you know, um, down in the hotel lobby. And we were just talking about it. He's like, yeah, he's like, I thought I could do this. I thought I was going to do that. And But the problem is, is when you fight, when you're not, when you're known for being a wrestler, you know, he was on the national team for Greco-Roman wrestling. Um, you know, he's strong. He's got a kind of a big body frame for the weight. But the problem is, though, is if you are not extremely confident or comfortable on your feet in a real fight, your power level goes down like for every strike you throw there's a lot more tension on everything you're doing remember i just talked about being relaxed if you're not relaxed every time you throw strikes and they're tense your your just energy level starts to go down you start you start to get tired you start to not keep your hands up you start to not move your head as much all of those things played a factor and goichi was just stalking after him making him fight a fight under duress and putting him on his back foot and when he started backing up I was like, it's not going to go his way. This is a big trouble right here. Big trouble. And then shortly after that, boom, Koichi landed the straight right, right down the pipe, and it was done, man. Sat him to his butt, put him away. Yeah, and it's this is going back to when we just talked about Kiefer Crosby. You, When you come into the sport, you come in with specific skill sets. Now, some people are you know, going to be strikers. Some people are going to be grapplers. Some people come, well, especially now, where – They've done it all, and you take a look, and they're really good at everything. They may not be great at anything, but they're really good at everything. Chris has a specific skill set. This is a guy that came from the national team in Greco-Roman wrestling, and Greco-Roman wrestling has proven to be probably a better form of wrestling for MMA than freestyle wrestling as far as the ability to control the body, the ability to get those body locks, the amount of uh, conditioning that comes with, you know, Greco doesn't look fancy, it's exhausting when you do it, you know, because you don't have that freedom of just carrying your own weight. You're always pushing and pulling against somebody, man. It's an exhausting sport. So he's got that in him already. This is where we talk about you went and played another man's game. You thought that your stand-up skills were going to be better than his and that you were going to be able to dictate, you know, exactly when those exchanges happen and then 
as soon as the fight starts, that goes out the window. You got to be who you are. And if you believe that because, you know, training with someone like Chris Holsworth, who's fantastic on the ground, not taking anything away from him, you believe that's going to be, you know, your way of, of combating what this guy does on the ground. Okay, uh, I'm with you. I understand that. And you're going towards your strength. But your strength in your six wins has been that people have respected the fact that you could grab their their body and put them in a position on the ground that they can't stop. That opens up your stand-up. That opens up everything for you, and you cannot leave it. You can't go away from it. As soon as you start to go away from it, now you change as a fighter, and now you're not as effective in exactly what you're saying. It's hard on you. It creates an anxiety in you, and you start to perform at a level that's not quite as good, and your energy goes down. And I think this is just a learning lesson. It happens with you know almost every fighter. You get in that one where you think, I can do this, and then you get in there, and it's just completely different. I think Chris is going to come back. He's going to come back really strong. I think he's, he's still got a ton of talent, and I look forward yeah. to seeing his next fight. But too much experience and, and not enough respect for someone in an area where Goichi is actually damn good in his stand-up now. Yeah. I expected him to take more of an approach before we did the fighter re- meetings. I expected him to take more of an approach of getting the takedown, trying to do what Michael Chandler did to Goichi. Yes. It's just smother him, press him yeah. to the fence, stay heavy on top, heavy on the head above his, you know, and then posture up strikes and then put your head back down, making sure that you're not being exposed, you know, to an arm bar or triangle situation. I expected him to take more of that approach, um, especially after a couple of the exchanges on the feet. Never once did it seem like he planned on taking this fight to the ground. He was so concerned of the jiu-jitsu aspect of it all that he thought he could stand with them, and that put more pressure on him to stand. And this, you can't have that. You've got to be able to make that adjustment throughout the fight. And he wasn't able to. And I know it was a short fight, but he wasn't able to make that adjustment, and it cost him. All right, so Islam Mamaydaf, he's one of my teammates, and everyone knows that I'm a huge homer. Um, look, I thought he fought a good fight. That being said... I don't think he won the fight and it's nothing against him. It's just that if you look at the, like you, like John and I were talking, if you look at the scoring criterias, okay. And I've, this has happened to me several times and I got lucky enough to the point where the judges had seen that my attacks were more on like more aggressive than the person on top trying to do their damage. And that's the scenario that, which Islam was put in Brent premise was in the first round you know, attack, attack, attack. And the same thing went for the second round. Attack, attack, attack. Now, I had Brent Primus losing the third round. Yep. So I had I had Brent winning one and two, and I had him losing the third. Did you see it that way, John? Yep, absolutely. Uh, it was, uh, like, when you take a look at this, it doesn't matter who ends up in the top position, although I will tell you that everybody, if given the opportunity, you ask any. MMA fighter, be the, you know, Damian Maya, who's phenomenal off his back, you know, Goichi, phenomenal off his back. You give him the opportunity to say, okay, I'm going to put you on the ground. I'll put you in the top position or I'll put you in the bottom position. Every one of them is going to say, I'll take the top because they yeah. have more freedom of movement. They have the same amount of, you know, submissions they can figure out how to attack and they know that they can use strikes to their advantage and not be at a disadvantage with someone being able to launch a big heavy elbow or something into the middle of their forehead. So, they're all going to take the top, but sometimes you run into that guy like Primus ran into uh, with uh, Mamadov is, hey, I, I'm not going to end up in the top position here, so I need to work off of my back, and that's what Brent did. 
he was the one creating the scrambles in this, or if you want to say the submission moves. He was really going for a go-go plot at times, I believe, but would switch it into the Uma plot because he couldn't get the head in position to get his his uh, shin in place. But he was always going to that that Uma plot. Now Islam was doing a good job of you know posturing and trying to get his arm straight and getting his arm through it, and he did at times. But he was defensive through most of the first two rounds based upon the offensive output and the submissions that were being thrown at him by Brent Primus. That, that's right there. Now, if if Islam had come in and done big slams and really hurt Brent or something like that, okay, I'm going his way. But he wasn't able to do that. In fact, the only round where he was able to get any kind of real striking that was semi-heavy in was the third round, and that's the round I gave him. But the judges went and gave uh, the fight to uh, to uh, Mamadov. I talked to him, and you know, uh, Sal D'Amato was the one. He gave it to Primus, uh, 29-28. I talked to the other judge, and I said, excuse me, I said, just tell me, what's the damn criteria? You know, and he says, and he goes, and I said, okay, so I want you to just go back. Tell me what this guy was doing as far as winning the grappling other than getting a takedown and being on top. Being on top doesn't make you win. Being on top and yeah. either using grappling maneuvers such as submission attempts or using strikes, I said, so since the fight mostly was taking place in grappling situations, we're kind of pushing striking to the side since there was no good striking being done. So it's a grappling re- situation. Tell me how this guy won. And he goes, he's, and after what he's like, yeah, I think I screwed that up. I'm like, ah, yeah, you did. You screwed that up because Brent Primus deserved the win in that fight. And he didn't get it. I, I think they're going to fight again. I think, uh, I actually think, Islam's going to be a lot more wary of what Primus does. He might attack the fight a little bit different. He's good. He's not super explosive. And uh, Brent, at times, and I, I agree with you as far as you know, you were talking about in this situation, fighting this guy, a guy that you had trained with a lot, you had said, mm-hmm. Brent needs to get up off his back. He cannot just sit there and throw up submissions and think that's going to be enough. He's going to have to at least at times I thought he should have used that Uma Plata to work his way either, you know, mostly to his feet. You get, you, as he's pulling away, it's giving you space for you to now try to get yourself up, and he should have used that because it wasn't working as far as the submission attempts, and he kept going back to the same thing. So you gotta, you've got to change this fight up. Yeah, I look, I use that position, honestly, a lot to get back to, to cause a scramble to get back to my feet as well. Right. The thing is, is when I can't get in, I start to, and the guys start to stand up. They're standing up and defending the arms so much. There was never a moment where Brent Primus tried to roll to a knee bar or some sort of leg lock. Because if you, all you have to do is, if, and I know it's easier said than done, but if you roll to attack the leg, if you can get them to break their balance, sit them back to their butt, all you now need to do is just run away from them. So not even so much of me needing to get to the knee bar is me just uh, having an opportunity to break their balance by attacking the knee to cause a scramble for him to get back to his feet. I didn't understand that at all. And we had talked about that in the fighter meetings about how he had lost to Chandler because he just got held down, you know, and he was attacking submissions the whole time. And I didn't, I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. He did it. He got put in the same situation again and he did it again. Now I get, I understand the part where like I've trained with Mom, uh, Mama Medoff and he is tough. He's strong. He's good all the way around. He doesn't do anything, any one thing great, but he's, 
he's good everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's got good stand up. He's got good kicks. You know, he's got great wrestling, good sambo, good throws. As, as Brent Primus found out, you know. Um, but if you're looking at the scoring and you're looking at the way the judges should be scoring, is like the person on bottom was being the more active fighter and had actually several attempts, several attempts, especially in round two, where mom, uh, where Islam had to actually just pull his arm out. He had to stand up to pull his arm out, as in, as in it was threatening a submission. Yeah. That to me is a scoring criteria of trying to finish the fight. Whereas Islam never had those moments. And like everyone knows, you guys, I'm a homer. I'm going to stick up for, you know, I, I wanted him to have a great fight because he is a teammate of mine. But he, I just, I've got to be very clear, like, because you, when, when you're at home and you guys are fans at home watching these fights, you have to understand how to score these fights. You have to understand what you're looking for. Just because you're on top, we're giving too much leeway, too much. We're giving too much credit to to just being on top and not having any action. And we can't do that. We've got to make sure that the right person is winning these fights. Now, I do believe that they'll probably end up fighting again. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, and and I think it's a good fight to see. I'd like to see that fight again for sure, 100%. But uh, but it was one of those fights that, that I just, I walked away scratching my head going, man, what, what are we doing? I feel like maybe the, the MMA judges in California were just out of practice. That's uh, all. It might, you know. <laughs> just out of practice they haven't been having any shows for two years yeah you know so yeah but anyways all right um the other the other uh other one of my other teammates you know usman or magomedov the other uh, other fighter from dagestan the other fighter (laughs) there's been there was a lot of them on the card tonight uh, there was on saturday night but uh but yeah so um usman i felt like had a great performance he landed the knee from hell and uh just everything about him he's it's funny because we were talking with Manny Morrow in the fighter meetings and he goes, oh, yeah, he's got kicks. But they're kind of like just those slappy kicks. Yep. And then I saw Manny afterwards inside the uh, inside the um, lobby of the hotel. And I said, I said, how are them kicks? Are they sloppy? He's like, no. I said, they got a lot of weight behind them. Huh? And he's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, they weren't sloppy at all. He's like, they, they hurt. And I was like, yeah. I said, that's the one thing like people, they, there's a misconception that those kicks don't have anything behind them. That's a bunch of crap, man. That's a bunch of crap. You look at guys like uh, Lyoto Machida, who's made his career off of that. Kung Lee made his career off of that. Those type of kicks. Usman has that style. Little his little uh, his little brother uh, Umar has the style like that as well. They have those type of kicks, but there's power behind them. Yeah. They've got weight behind yeah, them. Weight. They not they're not just to be yeah they're not just to be ignored. No, you need to pay attention to those because when you stop disre- when you start disrespecting those kicks, that's when one sneaks over your glove and knocks you out. And you got to remember. Kicks to the kicks to the head. They don't need to be hard. They just need to be on the chin. If they hit you just right, it's over. They graze your head just right, it's over. They touch your chin. It's, it could just be the toes across your chin. I've seen plenty of fighters get knocked out by just the toes touching the tip of the chin, you know. And it's over. You've got to respect those kicks because they get there fast and they're normally hidden behind strikes. Stephen Thompson, his very first UFC fight. I think he threw the combination. He threw the right hand or the, the left hand, and the kick came right after he it. He threw a right and hand boom, was, into a right kick, which is something you normally yep. don't have someone doing. You're going to go cross. I'm going to have right hand, left kick, high. Left hand, right kick. He threw right hand, yep. right kick. <laughs> and it came right over the top of that defensive glove, and boom, yep. it was done. So you've got to respect those kicks. Even though they don't, they don't look like there's much on them, there's some heat on them. And then not only the heat, but if they land properly – it could be done. It could be over. Like you, you don't need much when you're throwing the head kicks. And so I thought he did a lot of great things. You know, he got taken down in that fight, though. Yeah, you know, I mean, that kind of shocked people. He got taken down. He was able to get right back up to his feet. Yeah. But 
I think everyone's like, oh, whoa, whoa. Like even, even Bader was like, oh, he got taken down. I was like, oh, but he'll be all right. He'll get up, you know, but it was, it was that position. It was, he's got, though they've got to start making sure that because they have that last name that they got to start putting a little bit more emphasis on stop and takedowns. Mike Hamill was able to take him down, I believe once or twice yep, in their yep, fight as well. Yep. So, but he is not the same type of wrestler as, as Khabib, even though they have the same last name, he's not the same type of wrestler. Not the same, as Khabib. Type, of he has not the same type of fighter he has a different style of standup, but he is fun. He is confident. He's fun. Um, you know, he's got a great personality. He's going to be very marketable as well as English is getting a little bit better. You know, um, he's just, he's going to be, it's going to be fun to watch him come up through the ranks. Him, uh, Islam Mamedov, and then you've got, you know, and, and also to the, uh, Magomed Sharapov, yeah. you know, and what's the other one? Ram, uh, Gatsi. Watch, I wasn't going to murder his last name again. How about Magomed Magomedov. All of them. That, yeah. All of them and Magomed Magomedov as well. All of them are exploding onto the scene in Bellator. And I'm telling you guys right now, you guys should all know already. Keep your eye on them. Just keep your eye on their growth. Make sure you guys tune in every time they fight because they're fun to watch fight as well. It makes you appreciate the technique of foot sweeps, hip toss, you know, um, the style of stand up that they're bringing now and they're just their methodical approach to every fight that they're having, you know, and um, it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to watch them come up through the ranks. Yeah. Josh. Yes. Um, I was going to ask because Khabib has Khabib obviously has a lot of pull, right? So why wouldn't he? Why would he put guys? Um, like why wouldn't he be pushing for his guys to be in UFC since obviously it's looked at as the um the kind of Premier League? Um, is it to break up the fact that like a lot of these guys are in the same weight class, or what's like what would you say the rationale is there? The rationale is that you know you can't have everybody all in one in one promotion, and it's not so much that Khabib wouldn't probably want them to go there. It's just the bottom line is is that the UFC will say, and the same thing with Bellator, <clears throat> they they, they only, only want to so sign a certain from... from one area yeah. because now you're killing your market in say Brazil. Now you're killing your market in the U.S. If you just have a ton of fighters signed from one area, you're going to end up killing your your marketability for your promotion you know, um, for the rest of the country. If no one wants to tune in when you have a 145-pound fight because the Dagestan fighters or, you know, the Japanese fighters, they rule that division, now no one's going to watch. Like, none of the other fighters are going to watch that that division anymore, you know? And so, except for the... It'll be like one person from that from that promotion, maybe, that it sparks interest. Like, the UFC got lucky when they had Jose Aldo, who'd been the champion forever, you know, and then they had Conor McGregor when they fought because they had two countries behind each other and all the buildup up to it. And I think in the same way that Bellator got lucky because you had Brazil versus the U.S. basically is what it was. You know, you have the young stud like a, like Conor was, and then you have the long reigning champion, which is like Jose Aldo was. So if I had to make a comparison, it was like that. But when you're talking about with Khabib's guys, you don't want you don't want all your guys like Mom, uh, Islam Mamedov. He would have to go there and potentially end up having to fight guys like Islam, Islam Makachev. Now they would hold it off as long as they could, but your goal is to make them champion, you know. And so if Mamedov is going to be there, and I've and you know, and I've seen the two of them spar. If you're going to be there, one of them is going to be left out, and so you don't want that to happen. So you want to try to make sure that they can make as much money as they can. You put them in another promotion with the potential of being the champion, like Usman. Usman and Mamedov are the same weight, but I could also see Usman going up to 70 if he wanted to because he's a tall, long, lanky guy, you know, and his body frame is big. You said it one same more time. with Mamedov. He's a, he's a big guy as well, <laughs> tall, long, and lanky. <laughs> Mamedov, is, he's a big guy as well. Brent Primus is huge for the weight. 
And he was taller than Brent Primus. He wasn't physically like thickness bigger, but he was taller than Brent Primus. You know, he's got the body frame. He cuts a lot of weight. A lot of the Dagestani fighters cut a ton of weight. And so it was strange to see the two of them, you know, both signed. But I think because there is, they're trying to build up that 155 pound division. I think that's a big reason why. Because the 155 pound division has kind of been the pillar for all organizations throughout the world. But guess what? The Bellator 155 pound division, it's, it's, it's not it's not one of the top ones, you know, and they need to they needed to do something to add some some spice to it. And they did. They did by add, adding Mamedov and they did by adding uh Usman. And then they're gonna have, you know, you got Goichi now, someone like a Goichi that can fight, you know, uh Usman or Mamedov. If Mamedov takes him down, how's Goichi gonna handle the the grappling and the wrestling? That there's a lot of things that are in there in terms of, you know, uh Gatsy. I think he's at what, one forty five? And then you've got we'll scroll back down. And you also got oh, and then Shabley. you've got uh, Sher- yeah, you've got Shabley as well. He's at fifty five, but he's not. Yeah, he, but he's not. But he's not with. I don't think he's with Team Dominance. No, he's not. Yeah, so he's not. That that makes sense. Like that, that they're going to sign him because because he's not part of that. He's not. He's not part of you know Team Dominance. He's not part of you know the Dagestan fighters. So he comes from a different area. He also trains an American Top Team. They would. They potentially could have each other fight. Yeah. So, I mean, what, uh, Magomed Sharapov, maybe him as well. He's not, I don't, I think he is with dominance. Yes. I think he, yes. I think he is with yeah, dominance. Yeah. Is that but a Tom the thing is, though, is come that on, man. Yeah, yeah Frankie, he is with dominance. You, you, you think Frankie yeah, didn't Frankie. say, oh, yeah, come here. Let me show you something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they, they've got these guys, yeah, but they've got to get them signed and they've got to, you know, have an opportunity to be a champion. Otherwise, no, that was kind of a long-winded response, Dave. Sorry, but it's all right. <laughs> let me let me say this about uh, Manny Murrow. Man, you know, Man, when Manny came into Bellator in his second fight, fought Nick Newell, who at the time I think was seventeen and two, and uh, mm-hmm. you know put on a really good performance. But you know, Nick Newell, very good grappler, good good jujitsu, everything. Uh, then he fought Devin Powell, UFC veteran, a guy, really good jujitsu, black belt, and everything. Talking to Manny Murrow after the fight with Usman, he goes, John. He was different. He goes, I've never felt anybody <laughs> like him. He goes, he goes, it was right away I realized, oh shit, this guy's different. He goes, yeah. he goes, just the grappling when, when I when I when I got a hold of him, he goes, it was just he just felt completely different. He goes, the, the way that he he threw his kicks and everything, he goes, I was guessing. He goes, I was off balance. He goes, he goes, and and I've never been hit with a knee that hurt as bad as you know, and and anybody that's been hit with a body shot. Especially when it lifts your, you know, your floating rib or hits your liver, it's horrible, and uh, that just happened to him. But you know, the the words of Manny Murrow on Usman is, "Hey, he's at a different level. He's different." So yeah, look out, people. He coming. Mm-hmm. He be yep. coming. So yeah, I mean, I want to, I want to know if it's gonna be him and like, if it's gonna end up being him and Shabli, or if it's gonna be Islam Mamedov versus Shabli. Those are fights that, you know, like I could see that fight. The Mamedov fight and Shabli fight, I could see that happen. Because remember, it was yep. supposed to be Brent Primus was supposed to fight him first. Yep. Shabli. And then that didn't work out. And then they, they gave him Mamedov. So we're going to see, man. We're going to see. Uh, what was the next fight there, Dave? Co-main. Yeah, what was the co-main? Co-main was Mads Burnell versus Emmanuel El Matador Sanchez. That was a good fight. All right. It was a great fight. I thought it was a fun fight, especially. Um, but 
I I had it scored differently than what you had it scored. That's okay. So John, talk to me about your scoring. My talk score was pretty easy. First off, I'm just gonna say thirty twenty seven for Mads Burnell. Yeah, is absolutely fucking ridiculous. Okay, <laughs> look, Emmanuel Sanchez came out there and he was he was lighting up Mads with shots. Now Mads was putting a high guard and uh, taking a lot of them on the arms. But when you see his head popping, even with it hitting a glove. That's, that's affecting the fighters, so that's a scoring blow, and the judge needs to look and say, yeah, I see it touch the glove, but if it's popping his head, it's a scoring blow. But there was so much output, and he was going to the body beautifully, so much output by Emmanuel Sanchez. It wasn't even close in the first round as far as giving to Mads. Mads got, got a takedown, wasn't able to do anything with it. There was no danger in it. There was no, no ground and pound out of it, and so it was easy to say that Emmanuel Sanchez wins the first round. It's easy to say that Mads Burnell wins the third. So it really comes down to the second. And I'm okay either way. I understand that, you know what, there there's there was some good uh, grappling exchanges with Mads. He landed some good shots at times in the stand-up, especially in the second round. And so I'm totally okay with Mads winning the fight. I have no problem at all with that. But to sit there and tell me it's 30-27, you have lost your fucking mind. There is no way. Go back and watch that first round. Yeah, I think the way that they scored it, like they did a lot in the earlier fights, and that's kind of where I thought they were going with it, is that he ended up getting the takedown. And I know, I know we talked about that. You've got to do something from the top position. And I think that they just, they gave too much credence to the, to the takedown and being on top. I mean, I, I had I had the exchanges going back and forth on the feet, but I had Mayo Sanchez winning the exchanges for sure. Um, I agree with you in that scenario, but I also feel like when they got the takedown, he ended up they 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 gave too much weight to that, yeah. and they and it showed earlier throughout the night, you know, with the Islam fight, and then it showed again with the uh, with the Portal fight that they were giving so much to the wrestling and to the and they were giving too much credence to the wrestling and to the uh, to the top position. And so I could see that. I, the only reason why I saw them giving him a 30-27 was because he finished the first round on top. But, here, but here's, the, here's the point. This is what people need to understand. When, when we talk about takedowns, I say, look, a takedown is nothing more than a positional change. It's no different than me and Josh being in the stand-up, and I come into Josh, and now I get double underhooks and put him against the cage. That's a positional change. All right? We are no longer at range where we're not touching. Now, now we're in a grappling exchange up against the cage doesn't matter if you put me on the ground on top it's still a grappling exchange it's what do you do with that grappling exchange what do you do with the position when we talk about takedowns the takedown itself can be a scoring element sometimes it is sometimes it isn't that's depending upon what type of takedown if you get a takedown if, if you know josh gets uh, a body lock on me against the cage and he does an inside reap with his leg and spins me down onto the ground, it's a takedown, but there was nothing really that happened as far as the movement other than he took a leg away, took my balance point away, and was able to put my back to the canvas. Okay, so now it's a question of what do you do from that position? How do you score? Do you score with strikes, or do you score with grappling maneuvers that put me into danger? But now it can be where we have takedowns that... We talk about amplitude. When we say amplitude, that means two things. You have elevation, meaning that I pick Josh up and I bring him up to a level of about five and a half, six feet off of the ground. 
and I bring his body down. Now it's amplitude as far as elevation and now how much impact. Sometimes I get him high and we end up coming down and there's no impact because of the, the body positioning the weight. He can't bring me down with any kind of slam or, or power. So there's elevation, but there's no impact. But if you, when you get elevation and impact, no matter what, no matter if I, if, you know, in that exchange, the fighter jumps right back to their feet. That's a scoring technique because you had amplitude. You had that. I got elevation and I have impact onto the ground. That hurts. It's the same as a strike. So you can have a takedown that scores in that manner, but there really wasn't that in the first round. There definitely wasn't that in this, in the Sanchez Burnell fight. Yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you on that. I, I did have Mads winning though. I had him winning, um, 29, 28, I thought, I thought, and that's okay. I have no problem with that at all. And that, that, that is absolutely a score I could justify. That second round was very close. It all depends on what you're going to give a little more credit to. And I thought the first and the third were very easy to score. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I had, I had, I had, uh, Sanchez winning the first. I had him losing the next two. He just did, there was not enough activity from the bottom. He was being controlled. Now, sure, maybe not. Not not a lot of damage, but he was being controlled. He was kind of threatening submissions several times, you know. But he, once he lost the takedowns, man, he just really didn't have anything else, you know. I was expecting to have a little bit more of attacks, you know, like the whole sweep, sit, get up kind of situation, and it wasn't there. You know, he's usually really good from the guard position, but Maz did a real good job of getting to the half guard position. And I've said this for years. I feel like the the Duke Rufus fighters, right? They're good from their guard, you know, Pettis, yep. uh, Sergio, and uh, and Anthony that. both. Ex- yeah, they're, they're, but once you get past that 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 guard situation, their armbar triangle game is gone, and then the rest of their attacks pretty much go out the door, you know, from those positions. So, uh, good stuff by Mads Ronaldo. Ranked it, worked his way up into the top rankings there, and then now let's get into the main event, man. AJ McKee versus Patricio Pitbull. It really just comes down to speed. Speed kills, you know. And and when I look, I went back and watched the fight. Uh, yesterday and then i watched it again this morning on my way here is man you could tell that patricio was second guessing a little bit after a couple of the things that the aj threw and what happened was he actually reached to parry the kick or something he reached to parry the strike like because aj went to faint and then threw the head kick right behind it he parried and he parried too much where the hand came in front of the face because he was worried about the speed and the kick came right behind it and got 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 above his his glove. It wasn't even above it. His hand was over here, and it just connected right to the neck, right to the the side of the face. And I mean, perfect job by AJ. But the speed was the factor. Anytime you're dealing with someone who has that much speed, and we talked about he had problems with Daniel Strauss back in the day because Daniel Strauss was pe- or Daniel Strauss was piecing him up because he was faster, he was more athletic, he had all the all the speed and the combinations to throw. And AJ was in that same scenario, you know, just the speed. And you could just see Patricio like flinching a little bit, kind of overreacting a little bit. And he overreacted trying to parry that, I believe, the the straight left. And then the kick came up behind it and boom. And you don't need to land it hard. It just got to land. And that's what rocked him right off the bat. I mean, Patricio took the full on head kick. There was no block at all oh, whatsoever. No. He took that shit to the dome. Okay. <laughs> and guess what? He was still, he was still pretty much kind of standing. He finally went down, but it was like, he didn't drop him right away. He lost his balance no, and then went no, down. He, it was he, pretty. He did not go down off that kick. He went down off of the uppercut that hit him. That's there all. Was, that's there right. Was a sorry. Left sorry. Uppercut that's right. That that's what put him down. Yep. Yep. Never saw it. You know, so when, 
when that fight happened, when that happened, I was like, holy shit. I mean, everyone's talking that AJ's the real deal. There was never any doubt before. I mean, we knew that he was the real deal. It was just a matter of how would he deal with someone with that type of experience in Patricio. You know, and would if and he's never he's never had to go to the championship rounds because he's dispatched everyone he's fought. Now I tend to think that he shouldn't go right to fifty five. I want to see him. I want to see him defend this title one time. And I think Adam Boric is the perfect fighter for him to defend it against. I'd like to see that fight. Now you defend it one time. Now go up. Borch now is, go up and let's see. Well, Borch has got a fight coming up, right? Um, I I didn't see if was there one announced I was for him. Thinking that he's got a fight coming up. I I may be wrong, but um. I think Borch would Possibly, be a good though. person for him to fight, but it's a matter of let, let's let's talk about the Patricio fight. Let's also talk about the yeah fact, JJ Wilson. There it is, JJ, JJ Wilson. Wilson. That's a good fight. That's a really good fight. Undefeated fighter in JJ Wilson. Very good ground game. You know, in talking about you know we talked about this fight for how long, and, and we had you know yeah. we, we we actually you know and we joke about it all the time. Of when this featherweight tournament came up, you and I just said, all right, we're, we're going to pick our dark horses. And I picked AJ. I said, you know, and you go, you can't pick him. <laughs> you can't pick a, he's not a dark horse. There, there, was, there was a reason I picked him, you know, and I, and I believe in the kid and I've, I've believed in him for a long time. And, you know, I've watched him grow. And it is the difference of, look, at, when you get someone that athletically is touched, now it's a question of where is their mind at? Where is it that they figure out or do they not figure out that they're not so special that they don't have to work hard because, you know, we talk about all the time, hard work beats talent. Okay. Because hard work will get you to a place where that talent will break down. AJ was in that position for a while. He even, you know, here in Bellator, he had talent. He knew he had talent and he didn't work that hard. He made those mistakes and uh, he's a different fighter now. And in, in looking at this, if there was, a, there was a, a certain time in this fight, watch when Patricio, he throws, a, he throws a jab out, a straight left jab, and he gets countered off of it, and his never came close, and he gets touched, and you can see in his mind, it was like, uh-oh, that's a problem. And he started yeah. at that point, it wasn't the stalemate of they were kind of, you know, positioned in the middle, not moving back either one because Patricio does not like to move back. And I said he had to move uh, you know, AJ back. If he's going to be successful, he has to move AJ back. And AJ at that point starts pressing him down and starts pushing him towards the cage. And I went, oh, he's in trouble. He's going to have problems yeah. in this fight. Because if AJ is able to come forward and, and decide the range of the fight and initiate those attacks, Patricio doesn't have that type of physical speed to match up with. And then he doesn't have the range. And so now he's at a real deficit in the fight that he has to take these lunging attacks. And you can go back and fighting all the way to, you know, there was guys, you know, Joe Frazier was one of my favorite fighters. But you take a look at him against, you know, Muhammad Ali and you look at all of the things that were working against him. It's what made it amazing that he was able to fight the way he did against Ali but it was that he took chances and he, he was going to accept damage. And he told himself, I'm going to accept damage. I'm going to go into this guy and he's going to be, you know, lighting me up with shots, but I've got to take those shots so I could land mine. That's the type of fight you're going to have to get into. If you're Patricio going against AJ, you've got to put it in your mind. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to take damage. I'm not going to be able to outspeed this guy. I'm not going to be able to get a lot of counter strikes that I'm normally getting on other guys. This guy's good enough. My footwork is not going to be that much better than his, and my counters are not going to be that much more effective 
against this guy than they are against the others because he's too fast and he's got too much range on me. But, you know, this is what happens. There's always that point where there's that guy that comes in and he, you know, he puts it on the champion. And unfortunately, in fighting, this is the story that, you know, eventually, and I say all the time, eventually you're going to be on someone's highlight reel. You know, it sucks. Yeah. It, it, is, it is the nature of the beast in this sport. Patricio has nothing to feel bad about in this fight. He came out, no. you know, and uh, he's just an incredible champion. You know, what he's done, it does not matter that, you know, AJ beat him. That doesn't take away from his legacy, and it doesn't take away the fact, look, he's still a dominant fighter in Bellator, and they're going to fight again somewhere along the way. I don't think mm-hmm. that they should throw him right back. I don't think that's a smart thing to do in throwing him right back into the mix either at featherweight or even at lightweight. And I had talked about, well, then they can read, you know, they can do it again at lightweight. Patricio is going to need some time no. to figure this one out because at no point in this fight was he in a position where he didn't, he never touched AJ. AJ, yeah. AJ just went through Carhanian without getting touched. He got touched by Derek Campos and, you know, he got hurt with the knee and he had a, you know, more difficulty, but he got rid of him there. He didn't get really touched by Darian Caldwell. So the only guy out of four fights that touched him was Derek Campos for a couple of rounds. He didn't take much as far as uh, damage throughout not only a fight, but we're talking about a tournament. Yeah. Impressive. Yep, yep. Um, all right, well, hey, let's uh, – I, I agree. that the, I thought the fight was a good fight. It was great performance by AJ. Tip my hat to him, and uh, it was sad to see Patricio get to the, the pinnacle of his career, basically, for him to make the most probably amount of money in one in one fight, and he just came up short. You like to see legends like that go, go ahead and complete the cycle. You know what I mean? Be done with it, and then be like, hey, anything that happens after this is golden. Uh, but, you know, he'll be back. He'll be – He'll be around. He's, what, I think 34 years old. He's still got some miles left on him. He's still the champ at 155, so we're going to see him fight. All right, guys, go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code WAYNEIN, and we're going to do a quick little segment called Wayne In on the Odds, and we're going to talk about the main event that's coming up for the UFC this weekend, Cyril Gaon uh, versus Derek Lewis. It will be in Houston, from what I recall. But uh, realistically, let's talk about the let's talk about this main event, and then let's talk about the odds on this, John. what are Actually, Dave, why don't you pull up the odds on this? I'm going to talk about one guy, and you can talk about the okay. other. Okay. I'm going to. I got to pick. I got to pick my man, the Black Beast. You can talk. You can talk. <laughs> you can talk about the technical skill and level of Cyril Gunn. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to okay. talk about just the monster that is Derek, the Black Beast Lewis, because I love this guy. He is funny as hell. He is, but he does have certain elements. Look, he's faster than people realize. For a big, heavy guy, he's got speed. When he explodes, he explodes. And, man, I am telling you, we talk all the time, and this is this is not weightlifting power. This is brute yeah. strength power. This guy has got a brute strength about him. You know, call it whatever you want to call it, farm strength, whatever. He is unbelievably powerful. If he ends up in the top position against Cyril Gaon, I'm going to tell you the fight's going to be over. He is unbelievably powerful with his ground and pound and the shots that he will unleash. And he's hard to hold in positions on there to stop what he does because he is, you know, he's got that brute strength. The real question is how does he deal with the footwork and the techniques 
that Cyril Ghosn has shown that he has. Cyril, Cyril likes to take people down, and, and off of his back, my man, Derek Lewis, is a bit like a turtle upside down. It's not a good look. It's not a place for him to be, but he will survive. He's not going to get sub- submitted by Cyril Ghosn, I don't believe, so he will survive in it, and to get back to his feet, how much energy has he put out? This is a guy that, you know, for a lot of his career, Dude, he was the, I swear to God, the first fight I did to his, he was eating ribs in the back in the dressing room. That's like, what are you doing, right? Uh, oh, John, I'm hungry. It's like, you can't eat that, right? But And then he comes, he says, yeah, that was a bad idea, but I felt that during the fight. It's like, oh, my God. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I know that Cyril Gon's going to be the favorite in this, I believe. I don't know by what, you know. Oh, hold on. I now know by what? Minus 330. Whoa! I'm going Derek Lewis. Because You're going Derek this Lewis? is a guy that can win the fight at any time. You're going to give me plus 255. All it takes is one. Derek Lewis has shown that. He's gone against a ton of guys technically that are better than him, and he tends to get the fight done. He tends to win that fight. He's not worried about the power. He's been in against guys that are powerful strikers. I got to go with my man, Derek Lewis. I'm taking my plus 255. Yeah, see, I, 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 what I look at out of Derek Lewis, Derek Lewis has gotten a lot better shape lately. Yep. So his, his conditioning has gotten better. Doesn't mean that his wrestling has gotten better, but his conditioning has <laughs> gotten better. So he's able to fight off the takedowns a little bit more. He's able to get back up to his feet, um, you know, one or two more times more. And for heavyweights, that's a lot because it's a lot of effort out to try and get that takedown. Now, I don't know if Cyril Gaunt's wrestling is at the level of enough to continue to take, uh, take Derek Lewis down throughout the fight. So if he's not able to get him out of there in the first two and a half rounds, he may end up being forced to stand a little bit. Because if you're not used to getting takedown after takedown as a heavyweight, your power level starts to go down like in a video game every time you don't get one. you know, And every time you have to fight for one. So if Derek Lewis can make Cyril Gaunt fight for the takedowns, I think Cyril Gaunt may st- he may slow down on trying to hit those uh, those uh, takedown attempts. Derek Lewis is a dog, man. He's got power in his hands. He's super aggressive when he wants to be. He just kind of stalks after you and just waits for you to kind of get into his range so he can hit you. He wants to wait. He's like a he's like one of those wounded lions. Come close enough to me, and then I'm going to go ahead and try to attack you. But if you stay far enough away, I'm just going to sit here patiently and wait for you. And that's kind of how Derek Lewis fights. Um, gone, all he's got to do is just... Work on getting to the takedown, mixing up his takedowns with his striking. And then once he gets to the top position, make sure that he's hipping in, getting heavy pressure, make Derek Lewis carry his weight, and then just go ahead and rain down some punches. Work slowly and methodically to the submissions as well. That'll work as well. I, I don't know. I, don't, I wouldn't say this is when you're talking minus 330 for, for gone. I don't think that's a fair assessment. I, I think Derek Lewis could end this fight in any time, and we've seen it in the past before against Volkov. You know, he was losing that fight, comes out, and he ends it with like ten seconds left. This fight could be it could end at any time, and Gon's got to be very careful jumping in or very careful of you know hanging out on the legs against the fence. Derek Lewis got the power to knock you out at any moment, okay? And he doesn't need to make sure he doesn't need to be on the feet to do it. He can do it from the ground as well if he needs to, or he can do it just leaning against the fence with his elbows and his hammer fist. So Gon's got to be careful on how much time he sits in one spot because otherwise he's going to get KO'd. So if I'm gonna if I'm gonna take this bet though I'm I'm gonna I'm with you man I'm gonna take the Derek Lewis bet yep. plus two two fifty five I'm gonna take that bet but I, but in terms I, of the over under go ahead go ahead I I, I could the over on it is four and a half plus plus one fifty at four and a half yeah but see the over could definitely happen because I could see 
Cyril saying, I'm just going to, I'm going to tag him from the outside and I'm going to win rounds, which he has done in the UFC in part yes. of his career. So I could see Cyril saying, I'm going to take this to five rounds. I'm going to win a decision. And that could definitely happen. So it's, uh, I don't know. It's interesting, but I, I love me some Derek Lewis as far as the way he fights, just his attitude. Yeah. Any man that takes his shorts off in the middle of the cage then says his balls were hot. You gotta love that guy. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's one of my one of my favorite lines in the in the uh, whole sport of MMA. Uh, All right, guys. Hey, go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code weighing in, and that was our weighing in on the odds. So hopefully you guys enjoyed that, and uh, use our advice and our tidbits for you guys to hopefully make you guys some money. Yeah, buddy. So go to mybookie.ag. Use the promo code weighing in. Also, smash that like button on our clips channel as well as our normal YouTube channel, and then hit the subscribe button as well. There's that little notification bell off to the bottom right hit that because obviously we released this one a little bit later because john was uh flying till about three or four in the morning <laughs> and so he didn't get back to tennessee until then and so then now that's why we're filming on a monday morning hella early hella early uh, because john was yeah well for me it was hella early so uh <laughs> because john was stuck in in the air or at an airport in dallas forever mm, all forever. day yesterday so also go to youtube go to the wayne in shorts wayne in clips channel that we have and go ahead and uh click on that subscribe button there because we have a special show for you guys there that's only on our clips channel called Wayne Interjection. It's been doing really well for us. Talk to him, Josh. You guys, it's a short little it's a short little clip. Talk to him, Josh. Uh, it's a short little show. It's so Tell good. Him, it's called Josh. Wayne Interjection. It's fun. <laughs> it's exciting. It's short. It's very quick to the point, but it's a lot of banter back and forth and it's fun. You guys will love it and enjoy it. Go there as well. Now, Go to uh, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Wayne In. Use the promo code and still Pick up one of our shirts that are available there. We've got the Karate Kid shirt. We've got the Home Alone shirt. We've got all of these different types of shirts that are available. The Terminator. Um, we've got different styles and colors as well. So pick one of those up. And then also post a picture of it on your uh, social media. And we're going to go ahead and repost it for you guys. I want to thank you guys for the support. We appreciate you guys so much. And also follow us on all of our audio platforms. iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify. Those are the main ones that we are, uh, have. Stitcher as well. Check those all out. Hit the subscribe there now. Most of you guys are traveling to and from work and stuck in traffic. Good time to listen to us instead of watching us. Safety first, everyone. And uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed this show. We're going to have another midweek show here coming up as well. And lastly, I'm going to announce that I will be doing another fight campaign on Saturday for the main event, for the pay-per-view main event. So, um, guys, go ahead and check tune us in. out there. Fight campaign. Yes, tune in. I'll, be, a good be, show I'll be texting as well, so. Josh with the right answers for that entire show. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully nothing happens with the refs, and hopefully nothing happens. <laughs> and anything else there, Dave? Or not Dave, but uh, John? Ah, not on that. No. Uh, I, I, did you see the picture I posted of, of uh, Khabib? You got to love it. I don't know if you with saw it. With the Bellator it. shirt on? Yes. You know, this one right here. I don't yeah. know if you guys can see. That Be one Bellator, right there. Bellator, yeah. It's a, Bellator posted I just, it, I just too. want everyone to know. You people are so easy. Dude, all I have to do is... <laughs> Had to put a thing out there said, hey, uh, hey, this looks like it fits. What do you think, Scott Coker? And everyone, you you mm. wish you will. He he can't. Go. People, lighten the fuck up, man. And you're so yeah. easy to push a button on and get you fired up. Like, uh huh. But he's the coach now, exactly. guys. He's the coach. He's, he's, he's there. He's there cornering and coaching all of his his friends and his fighters. <laughs> he's doing what he's doing. What a good. What a good coach will do. You see guys like Greg Jackson. You see other guys, you know, Javier. When they go to the UFC, they wear UFC shirts. When they come to Bellator, they wear Bellator shirts. It's just They're you're, you're, you're in support guys. of the promotion. You're in the you're supporting the promotion that is supporting your fighters. That's it. Yep. There's nothing wrong with that. 
So it doesn't matter. When they go to one or they go to the Ryzen, they're going to probably wear those PFL, shirts too. guess what? They're going to have a nice PFL shirt. Well, they have to have them there. Uh, all right, guys. Well, hey, we want to thank you guys so much for the show. And John, I'll let you take us off the air. What you got? Oh, you know what? I want to tell everyone, uh, sorry that uh, the show was not in the normal time. That is apologies. But Josh and I, it's not like we were sitting on our asses uh, this week. We were busy the entire time doing things like food truck diaries and stuff with Brendan. Yeah. Doing all kinds of stuff. We were busy the entire time. And then I got stuck in the process of commuter error where I wasn't able to get home. So I wasn't able to do this show yesterday like we would have liked to. But just want to tell you guys, thank you for listening to us. We hope you enjoy, and we will see you.